0: Welcome to another episode of Coming Out Stories from What Goes On Media with me, Emma Goswell. This is the podcast that does what it says on the tin. We just meet up with incredible people from the LGBTQ plus community and hear their story. Unbelievably, as I record this, we've not only come to the end of 2021 nearly, we're also at the end of season two. We will, of course, be back in 2022 with an exciting new series of coming out stories from a very different perspective. Please keep listening to the end of the episode to find out more. Oh, I know, what a tease. Uh, But first, we've got a great individual for you to meet now. We are going back stateside to meet a podcaster and a musician. Stevie is behind this next song's about the Songwriters podcast. And when I asked them how they identify, it wasn't that easy a question to answer. And it sparked a really interesting discussion.
1: Oh, it depends who's asking. Uh, I would say I identify as genderqueer. But, uh, and that I was probably identify that way within the queer community. But if I were to say to someone who isn't, or doesn't identify as LGBTQ, then I would say identify as non binary. Just because I think, you know, the nuances when you start going into gender and the specifics of it, non binary is kind of a thing most people have no more or less heard of now. But I think saying I'm gender queer, it's like, Oh, what does that mean? Well, for people that don't
0: know, what how would you define it? I guess it's quite a personal thing, isn't it, if you say that you're gender queer?
1: Gender queer. I think one of the reasons that I don't like the term non binary is because it acknowledges that there is one. Mm. Which I think is ironic because it is saying that I am not binary. So I mean I like this is just this is just a very personal yeah. feeling about the term. And for me, genderqueer really speaks more to the spectrum of gender. And that's really how I see it. I might still wear a little bit of makeup or like I'm you know, and I feel like my energy is a bit more feminine sometimes, you know. In in terms of my energy, I think I'm much more sort of of a queer man, like in terms of the way I might dress and my energy is might be a bit more feminine. So I think it, it more speaks to kind of the presentation and the energy for me.
0: And how long would you say you've identified as gender queer? Is it something you've been thinking about for a long time?
1: Yes and no. I would say my gender journey, and I, that's sort of a nice popular term that people are using these days, but I quite like it. Um, my gender journey, I would say, maybe started two to three years ago. Hmm, so fairly recent. Fairly recently, yeah. But, I, you know, it still feels very new for me and it's it's still ongoing. And, it, and that, you know, it's funny because it feels like coming out again. You know, you never stop coming out really. But about three years ago, I ha- I cut my hair. And so I cut my hair. You know, you and I are on Zoom, but for anyone who's listening. um, So I have... You know, short hair, and it's it's sort of platinum. I, I went into the the hair salon, and my stylist was like, "Let's do something dramatic." And I was like, "All right." And you know, I had been gradually sort of getting shorter. My hair had been had been getting much shorter. It was still sort of long on top, but it was short at the back. If that makes sense, yeah. so it was a bit more kind of Megan Rapino pre kind of purple when she sort of had that sort of long short hair. If that makes sense, so on, that yeah. was kind of what my haircut was. Yeah. And then, you know, I got much shorter, like a number one on the sides. And but i sort of kept the top long. But coming out of that salon, I just freaked out. And it was a really interesting experience because I and, and like the the hair was so bright and it was very blonde and, and whatever. And I was like, oh, crap, like I cannot go into work like this. I just had such a reaction to it. I recognized that I just stood out as very queer from that moment. And I think my dress sense hadn't changed and it didn't really change, but I think what I recognized was, oh, I don't pass anymore. There is no straight passing for me now. It is just here I am, I'm out, and whatever. And I, you know, with that kind of blonde hair, I get recognized and remembered a lot. It's not to say that I'm famous or anything, but it's more people will remember me whether I want them to or not. For instance, I can't have, a, I can't be an asshole on a day. You know, if, if it's, a, it's New York. <laughs> you know, you might have a day where you don't want to be nice, or like you're crossing a street and someone's, you know, someone cuts you up or whatever, but. The haircut set something in motion for me. Then subsequently, I think I had been sexually assaulted at work. I'm, I'm, st- I'm still kind of processing it because I'm like, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't violent in any way. It was more, you know, somebody at a holiday party decided that he would he would grope me. I had a panic attack. I had another panic attack. And it wasn't really, I, I didn't think it was about that. But I decided that, you know, I was going to go to therapy as a result of these panic attacks. And then when I started to dig in, and I and I very specifically chose a trans therapist. Oh, okay, I, I said I was going in to kind of deal with the panic attacks. And I think that, you know, I've actually just finished reading a book um, called Maybe You Should Talk to Somebody by Laurie Gottlieb. You know, she says that people go in, you know, presenting with one thing, but really wanting to talk about another thing. And for me, I actually, you know, one of the reasons I, I think I chose a trans therapist was to really work on the gender issues and how I felt about it. And what I was now experiencing as somebody who presented very differently and, and very on the spectrum with regard to gender. So
0: you think it was something that was always there in the back of your mind, but it just having this haircut and then having that experience just got you thinking a lot more about well, what was going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, I was struggling with, oh, am I just, am I just butch? Is this what it is? You know, like when, you, when you're, you know, lesbian, when you identify as lesbian, there's, there's types of lesbians and you know, am I a butch lesbian? Am I a soft butch? Like, what are all these different terms? You know, th- there is gender that features within those ways of identifying. But I was trying to figure out whether it was just a presentation or whether it was it was more to do with how I felt about my own gender and whether kind of like saying I was a soft butch, for instance, went far enough for me. And I was determining that it didn't. And so, you know, going going to therapy was a really good way for me of of kind of exploring what that meant in a, in a safe space I don't think I've
0: heard the term soft butch before that's that's a new one oh, really? me.
1: yeah I was like yeah
0: is that mm-hmm. is that an American thing or is that just I'm just very uh, sheltered
1: maybe I don't know it must be I guess it sort of re, you know refers to you know obviously lesbians who are butch in some way but a bit more like dapper perhaps you know I grew up thinking butch was which was you know buzz cuts and like t-shirts and you know they're actually you know probably a little bit bigger in terms of physique um so and i think that's probably a really narrow definition of it but that was what i had in my head of it and for me i think part of that was and part of my own and I, i just you know realized i had so much internalized homophobia and it not only you know was about my sexuality and my sexual orientation but about my gender as well i had never wanted to be identified as gay in the sense of looking gay i just didn't want to do it i never wanted to to sort of look like a butch lesbian
0: it's funny isn't it why is that i certainly remember feeling similar things myself actually just yeah oh no i don't want to be one of them and but why why is it such a bad thing
1: i think partly because growing up i could see that butch lesbians were ostracized and made fun of maybe i i was you know using other people's projections and saying like I don't understand it why would you want to be a lesbian who looks like a man or you want to dress like a man you know like but you find women attractive but you find women attractive who look like men and I think I was just sort of struggling with those questions I wouldn't say I necessarily still struggle with it but sometimes I struggle with a similar question with trans men and like and I, I still you know I'm on my gender journey, and I'm I'm figuring out some of these things, I'm looking at some non-binary people who then, you know, are identify as as trans men, and I'm kind of considering that journey in the sense of, well, I don't want to be a a trans man because one, it's hairy that I'm not into that, but I don't want to assume white male privilege. I don't want to assume straight white male privilege. Like I reject that so wholeheartedly. I don't want to pass as that and so that's sort of a a, a real internal feeling that i have about it and i think that there's still more that i'm exploring with it and i think you know one of the reasons i was so interested to have this conversation with you is because i'm I'm still probably figuring out so much stuff you know when you are non-binary it's it's so fluid and i don't know i'm finding so many new things about it every day as you know, people identify in different ways, and, and we ex- explore the spectrum of, of trans and non-binary. It's a really
0: interesting time for a lot of people, isn't it?
1: Just, just going back to the um, the butch
0: lesbian thing. I'm, I've, spoken, I've been mm-hmm. lucky enough to interview Leah Delaria in the past. Mm -hmm. I love and she's one of those people that just laps it up and she just totally identifies as being a butch she well she would use the word butch dyke she says I am Mm -hmm. a butch dyke and that's how I identify and I I just find that really refreshing that some people will Mm -hmm. just accept that and and will happy be happy to be that. but for yourself now do you feel very much like you you use the word fluid do you feel like you have different days can it be different on different days that you mentioned your energy is quite feminine do you feel like other days it might be more masculine or do you think it's something that doesn't stay as static as it were
1: I wouldn't say that my gender necessarily is fluid I think probably my energy can be a bit more fluid yeah interestingly I think my energy can shift depending on where I am and whether I perceive it will keep me safe or will make that environment better for me I don't know if you've ever watched um Hannah Douglas Hannah Gadsby
0: a small amount but not enough
1: yes oh the whole like the whole show was great I actually saw it in New York my friend got tickets and I was like cool this is this is fun like I didn't know what I was in for and was like uh you were you were going to be uncomfortable during the show and I was like what are you talking about and if you haven't watched Hannah Gadsby's show um Nanette I think that's the one I would recommend it and she just really goes into the discomfort around gender and presentation and like one of the things that she says is you know she's talking about tension and she's like When I walk into a room, she's like, you know, some people will say I feel tension. And she's like, yeah, I feel tension. I am the tension. Mm. And that's true. And I often walk into a room and I am the tension. And I think that was something that I just related to really, really quickly about that. And I've found, this is very arrogant. I found that I'm just like, I'm funnier now because I've had to be. I've had to diffuse that tension very quickly. So
0: what do you think? What's the tension about? You're perceiving it as being about your gender then?
1: I am, people yeah. gender, Yeah, Yeah, and I think it's because I am neither one nor the other, and I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. That's just what. What, what are you? And that's a question I, I have had, you know, from sometimes people that are drunk. But you know, that is something that definitely comes around. It's something
0: about humans, isn't it? They feel like they have to categorize people and have to put people into yep. boxes and go, "Well, I don't understand this, so you have to be one or the other." Oh, yeah, you're something in between. I don't, I can't get my head around that. You need to be
1: one or the mm. other. Yeah. In some ways, I think it is to keep us safe, or it is to identify threats. Mm. I personally think it comes down to an evolutionary thing of like, is this something that I need to be worried about or not? And like, we we come down to that sort of yes or no binary, um, ironically. But that's certainly where I, I feel like it is. And one thing that I, I noticed with the haircut specifically, you know, I had you know I had longer hair, and as a musician, I had longer hair, and I was trying to sort of feminise myself to fit into a genre and when I cut my hair what I found was women straight whatever were much more open about finding me attractive or like hitting on me and I was like I should have done this years ago <laughs> I'm I'm still surprised by it that you know straight women will like just I don't know I I still don't understand what it is but I think they see something because I'm just so visibly queer, there is something that is attractive about that. And I don't know necess- whether it's like the masculinity or if it's the queer thing, but I do find it baffling. I have to figure somebody else out very quickly when I'm in a room and it, and it can depend what it is. You know, it can, I could can be walking into a room full of women and so in some ways you have to know if that's a safe space and an inclusive space when it's women. And I, you know, worked for a large investment bank for 12 years, and I was never particularly comfortable in those spaces. And there's a lot of, I like to call them brads and chads, and I would have to make them comfortable in some way. And, I, and that, again, is something that I absolutely hate doing, you know, m- making the straight white male patriarchy comfortable because of my presentation. But it, it was something I had to do to survive in that world.
0: Yeah. You mentioned before that you, you know it's you feel like you're coming out all the time. Is it something that you're comfortable doing? If you meet new people, do you do you tell them about your pronouns and say that you, yeah, you do.
1: Yeah, I will do. It, it again. It probably depends on the space. I think I I went to um she podcasts live. It started I guess off as a podcast and a Facebook group for uh, women and non-binary folk in in the podcasting space, and they you know, do a com- uh, conference. I, it wasn't at the very beginning. I think it was some way some way through I actually exp- explained what my pronouns were and and one person was like, "Oh, wh- what do you mean they?" What like and I was like, "Oh, you have no idea of what this is. That's interesting." And so sometimes it's just I have to explain it. You know, my pronouns are she and they. And one of the reasons that I hang on to she is just to make it easier for other people. And that is a little bit sad. One of the other reasons is that I guess I'm quite proud of my experiences. My experiences when I identified as, as female, have really informed who I am. And I'm very proud of it, like the L in the LGBTQ history. And, you know, it's it has just really informed where I've come from. So I'm not I'm not sure if I'm ready to let that go just yet, but I think if I do let it go, then I have to continually correct people. And, you know, I'm now going through an immigration thing in the US and it's just miss this and miss that. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, it's just exhausting. And if I were to have to correct people all of the time, I don't know if I could do it.
0: But it's a journey. So you, you may, there may be a time in the future then where you um, identify as they, them and change what you say to people, I guess.
1: I definitely ask those who are closest to me, I think, to go with they, them more and they know that that is the preference and I think I, I try and make that clear with people and you know my online p- profile or whatever you like to call it that you know that is the preference and you know it's just that you know people don't necessarily feel uncomfortable um, or that they've fucked up or whatever if they use she or her.
0: Well not going to say that we've put that to bed but maybe we should talk a little bit about the L part of your life because I know you mm-hmm. obviously came out as a, as a lesbian before you came out as being Gender queer, didn't you mm, um, yeah so what, what was that experience for you like then coming out as gay I'm presuming you weren't living in America at this stage were you, you would have been uh, back at home I guess
1: uh yes so I grew up in the Middle East actually yeah
0: so did I <laughs> so how old whereabouts did, it, did you yeah
1: uh, look at this um I was born in Bahrain uh, and then I went to Qatar Dubai and Saudi Arabia
0: my sister was born in Bahrain. I lived in Bahrain two or three times actually, yeah. In the nineteen seventies oh, right. and eighties. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was eighty four. Ah, okay. Yeah. I've been there in eighty four. That's funny. How funny. <laughs> How bizarre. Yeah. But
1: you know, you'll you'll know yourself, you know, being a queer person kind of growing up up in that environment, you know, being a blonde kid and a white kid out there also was interesting obviously the culture there women don't have as many rights it's very misogynist like there were a couple of times i've it was unsafe you know that was kind of the the background and and the backdrop if you like for um me coming out
0: so you weren't in glasgow or anywhere then
1: (laughs) no when i did um the next part of that story was that um i went to boarding school It it was a lovely christian boarding school um in edinburgh and it you know whilst it was christian it was relatively accepting of of all things but certainly not being gay in a boarding house just that you no know. and I remember being about 13 and one of the girls said well statistically you know it's one in five or one in five are gays so there must be two gays in this room and what if they're looking at us when we're getting changed Oh God! you know and it right and I'm like well it's, it's me but I'm not like I'm not looking but like I am one of the two oh, you did <laughs> like, admit it no, God, no. That was just in my own internal dialogue was like, it's, 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 me. So there was just no way that I wanted to deal with that or I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, I had a very difficult relationship with, with my, with my mom and my, my parents had divorced when I was 10 and just the, you know, the back and forth was, was difficult. And I think finding a safe space was also challenging. So I came out when I was 19 initially as, as bisexual, I had dated men because I thought that that's what you did. And all my friends did it. So one
0: second. So the whole time at school then, you you knew that you were gay after this conversation when you were 13, but you really didn't do mm-hmm. anything about it at all because, nope. because of the bullying and the perceived reaction that oh, you yeah. get for being gay. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. I, I knew that my mother would, I, I genuinely thought my mother would completely disown me and kick me out. Like for me, the sort of coming out process was complete when I told my mother because everyone else knew except, except her. Mm. Um, and, you know, we don't have a good relationship now. I mean, you can imagine if she didn't have a good relationship when I came out as, as gay, coming out to her as non-binary not, didn't, didn't go well either. But when I came out to her as gay, her response was, is this because you can't get a boyfriend? <gasps> so, so, yeah, that was, that's mummy.
0: That is an unusual one. I don't think I've heard anyone say that. That's, h- really? that's harsh, isn't it? I mean, that's a really harsh, harsh thing to say to anyone, let alone your own child. Yeah,
1: yeah she's... I mean, you know, I've been to therapy and I'm pre- pretty certain she's a narcissist. So, you know, it's one of those things you just have to deal with.
0: So 13 to 19, you ignored it. At 19, mm-hmm. you went out with boys but then decided you were bisexual.
1: Yep. I think I, I kissed a girl for the first time when I was 19 and I just... was like whoa oh that's what it's supposed to feel like and then you know had a bit of a freak out which lasted a good couple of years just because there was just this sort of internal reaction and like oh crap does this mean that I'm gay what does this mean am I bisexual you know what does it mean and like I can't be gay I can't be gay because all of the the messaging and the rhetoric that my mother and um, her husband had said over the over the last however many years was just so negative, and. you know, it was just very subliminal messaging of like, we'll make fun of gay people or we'll make fun of dykes or, you know, like just the the terms that were used. And I was like, oh, no. And I'm guessing this wouldn't have been a million years ago. This would have been the nineties, would it? Uh, No, this was 2004, five.
0: Right. So yeah, even this time ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Australia, finished, I think it was university. And I went to Australia for a couple of months. And I had wanted to tell my mum before I left and I, I was just like, I just want to tell her I'm gay and then jump on a plane and forget about it. Great, and great tactic. She, I'm
0: loving your technique. I, uh, thank you. <laughs> I thought it was a
1: great plan. And in fact, one of my best friends was was gay. She came out after school and she actually met somebody when she was, I think, 18 or 19. And then they're married still. Nearly 20 years later, it's lovely. But she came out and there was actually a bit of an age difference with her and her partner. I, I never understood where, whether it was the age difference or whether it, whether it was just her being gay. But when I told my mum... And so she, she and her partner were getting married. So it must, maybe it was a civil partnership. I can't remember quite what the legality was at the time. It must have been 2000. And, it was post 2005. So it was a civil partnership. And I said to my mom, I'm gonna, I want to go to their wedding. And unfortunately, I think I booked my flight. And then I think the wedding was the week later. So I knew I was going to miss it. And I was upset. But I went to see my friend before um, I left. And it was tough because her parents were not going to the wedding. They had not accepted it. And I obviously thought about what if this were me, and you know, my parents, my my mum certainly won't come to my wedding, uh, and actually, she wasn't at my wedding. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she wasn't at my wedding. then. But, it, but that was more sort of for COVID reasons. But actually, I wouldn't have invited her anyway. So when I had said to her, "I want to go to to her wedding," and she was like, "Well, I don't understand why they want to get married," and I was like. <laughs> what do you mean and she goes well why do they need to get married and i said well what if they end up having a child and she's like well they, they shouldn't and i was like uh, and why not she was like well it's wrong it's it's not it's not natural it's, it's wrong i said well is it not good for the child to grow up in a loving environment with two parents than say in a family with an alcoholic or an abusive parent and she goes well yes because that's that's natural And I was like, are you serious? You think that's a better situation for a child to grow up in? And she, honest to God, said yes. And I was like, well, I'm not telling you, because this was a few days before I was due to leave. So I was like, fuck this, not a chance. Um, So that's how that whole conversation went. And then when I came back from Australia, I think the, the day that I got back, that was when I told her and she said, is this because you can't get a boyfriend? You know, she and I have had a very tumultuous relationship and she genuinely thought that I was doing it to piss her off, like she's ve- like that's the sort of the mindset it's just very egocentric and it's like i'm'm i I'm, everything that i've do- I've done is to kind of piss her off, which was not the case, but I think that was the only thing quite honestly that saved me from being kicked out or disowned and at that point, I was just finishing up university and um she owned the house that I lived in, and I paid her rent. I had couches set up, I had friends that i was I had said I may need to stay with you because I think this may happen like that's how scared I was of it. And it did come to that. It didn't. And
0: I, again, I think the only
1: reason was because she didn't believe me.
0: But by that stage, I guess you, you know, explored your sexuality and told a lot of friends, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. At that point, I had told my dad. In fact, my granddad was the first family member I told. Oh, how come? Yeah. Oh, we had such a great relationship. You know, he didn't necessarily understand it. And he said that, but he said, well, I love you. And that's all that matters.
0: Which is what you want from everybody, isn't it? Really, that's that's all that that's the only response that we ever want as human beings. I think, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's tough. And your your dad took it better than well, better than your mum. Yeah,
1: yeah, he took it well. Um, yeah, I think I was nervous. I think to tell him because I think at that point he was very into the church, and really, I think that was just because his his second marriage was ending. It was it was not doing well, and I think he was looking for something to cling on to there. And I thought, you know. Because he's into the church, that he would have a problem with it. And he didn't. And, you know, also since, uh, and, you know, fast forward coming out to him as non binary, he has been so great, just such a great ally. And, you know, wants to learn more about it. I give him a documentary. I give him a podcast. I, you know, give him a recommendation. He'll he'll read it. He'll watch it, and then we'll we'll have conversations about it. He was also um, teaching a course at a college, and he had a couple of trans kids in his classroom. And he would ask me, "Can I can I say this, or can I ask them their pronouns?" Or and I was like, "Okay, this is this is cool. This is you know." And he just wants people to feel comfortable and, and themselves and he's the best
0: he's sucking it up isn't he he's, he's taking on all, all the information you are giving him which is what I would yeah. say to a lot of people actually is you know we do find ourselves having to educate our parents or, or older generations or sometimes younger generations who don't get it or haven't experienced it and need, need the facts and need information really it's kind it's kind yeah. of our responsibility as especially for people like yourselves pushing the boundary and talking about gender in, in what may be for a lot of people a new way do you agree?
1: Yeah I think it was in it was in May that I sent a so we've got a, a family group chat um, on my dad's side not my mum's side and uh, I sent a message you know very clearly kind of said I've got a bit of news for you this is how I identify this is what it means for me I don't feel like you know I feel like gender is more on the spectrum here's a list of resources and things for you to check out and I would happily answer questions as and as and when you've you've read that and and they were wonderful and they were just so supportive and, oh, OK, you know, thanks for that. Like, I I didn't know a lot of this stuff and I, I've, you know, I'm really grateful that you've, you've given us all of this stuff to to read and go through. And and at that point, I, I should also say that I, I changed my name. So I changed my name to Stevie from Steph and they are, they still, they still get it wrong. I'm giving them a year's grace period. That's sort of the, the deal that I've made with myself with them.
0: Uh, OK, are they, are they, is that still pending or is it, is it up now?
1: oh no so this was may of this year so they've only had a few months yeah so but they're doing pretty well i think with it with text it's much it's very easy i think on the phone they tend to slip which is understandable you know it's been 36 years and i'm suddenly no i'm suddenly saying hey call me something else please Mm. but they're you know they've done really well but yes there is a lot of educating that you i feel like i need to do and it's more like i'll do it to a point and i'll have conversations but i'm i'm what i prefer to do is say okay hey here's a baseline here's a website, here's genderbread.org that kind of explains the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity. It's who you go to bed as versus who you go to bed with. That really helps. I don't know why that's so confusing, but that is something that people really get stuck on. I refer them to, you know, Alok Vade Menon, non-binary person who's just wonderful in terms of education, educating, particularly with with regard to gender stuff. Um, There was a podcast they did um, on a podcast called Man Enough that went, viral it was just a really wonderful conversation that that kind of explained everything and it it certainly explains where it comes from and we have this idea that gender is binary because that's what we've grown up with and and actually you know it, it really is rooted in white male patriarchy and colonization and they really like they do a lot of work on instagram to kind of go you know here's here's some history about this and here's some history about that so giving them people to refer to um, and to follow has been really helpful for me.
0: Absolutely. So you gave up your job in finance, but, and you do work in podcasting, and, and you're a musician as well. Has that been easy or difficult to traverse the music world being genderqueer?
1: Well, so with COVID last year, and, and because I had a full-time job, I think I took a step back from music. The reason being, there were a couple of reasons, and one, one of which was so many of my friends were full-time musicians and lost their livelihoods overnight. And I felt very guilty kind of taking up space in that world. I had a music podcast. So I thought, okay, I'm going to focus on this. And I'm going to focus on giving them resources and like how to boost your your marketing, that kind of thing. So I started doing that. I think also then, you know, last year, the social justice movement kind of happened, Black Lives Matter happened. And I'm, you know, sitting there going, what on earth do I have to say, as a musician and a songwriter that is important right now when COVID is going on, when Black Lives Matter is going on. So I wanted to deliberately kind of take a step back from that you know and and then I got married I moved and so I you know things hadn't quite opened up you know we're talking about vaccinations and laws within different states and everything so I hadn't gotten back to it and I'm deciding when I want to when it came to my Instagram stuff I think I I've posted one or two things kind of explaining that change and just going I I should probably address this and then we move forward but other than that in terms of on stage I haven't haven't had to deal with that on stage necessarily you know there are many artists right now who are going trying to see what difference they can make like brandy carlisle for instance is literally just uplifting everyone like anyone who's essentially not like a straight white male she's like giving them a platform she's inviting them to come on tour with her she's trying to work with them which is wonderful so i'm just having this moment of like oh how much of myself should i give on stage if i'm expecting so much of that person So, yeah, I'm. It's still something I'm. I'm kind of figuring out.
0: Still working on it. But what reaction did you get when you announced it on Instagram? Then
1: very positive. More recently, I posted something because um, it was International Pronouns Day. I think I just you know put a few things in my story, and actually, one of my best friends from high school replied and said, "International Pronouns Day." Oh, for God's sake! You know, now we're going to have a day for everything now, or something. She made a, a you know disparaging comment about it and uh-uh. uh, yeah and I'm like you know that I'm not binary and I is, you know it's like an important thing for me and she subsequently apologized I explained it and but I did get kind of upset about it I just said to her listen do you mind if I just do a post about it and I you know just did a video a quick video and said look this is why it's important to me it's just a day it's just saying it's just highlighting that different people have different pronouns and to be inclusive about it but uh, it's still so new that it is important to talk about and to make people feel safe and included. And it's just saying, here's like, I see you, here's a space for you. And, you know, for such a long time, I think because of my own internalized homophobia, that's why it's important to me It's just to feel seen. And, you know, that comment that my friend made, that's her own stuff, but it's there. You know, she might be my friend and she might support me and love me. But my point to her was... Just because you have a queer friend doesn't make you an ally. Like if you're not doing all of this other stuff, which could just be, you know, like educating yourself, it could be going to pride marches, it could be introducing yourself with your pronouns, it could be with regard to the way you vote, then you're not an ally. You just, you just happen to get lucky that one of your friends came out. Like I don't think that you're a better person for not disowning somebody. That's why those kind of things are important and that's why I put a post up about it. I rarely feel so encouraged or that I need to, to do something about it. But that was something that I, I really did. And, I've had, and that's had a really positive reaction, which I was you know really happy about.
0: Good. Finally, because, um, you know, there's a lot of ignorance out there, but it makes it even worse when people could be educated and just haven't made the effort or bothered, really, like you said, and even have queer friends and just haven't bothered to get the facts right. Right, finally, I think maybe not advice to anyone else, but maybe advice to, to a younger you, because it sounds like you've been, hmm. through, you've been through the mill a bit with your family. Um, hmm. You've been through a lot of therapy. If you could sit down your 10-year-old self in uh, Manama, Bahrain, or wherever you would have been at that particular age, what would you say to yourself, do you think?
1: Hmm. Probably, you know, you are worthy of love. You are normal. It will be Okay.
0: When you're in it, it's the hardest thing in the world to see the other end of the tunnel, isn't it, really?
1: Yeah, and, you know, the the context of me saying that now is that I cut my mother off this week. I've told her I don't want to hear from her again.
0: And that's because of the way she reacted when you came out as Um, I mean, I,
1: came, I think I was outed to her, quite frankly, um, by somebody else, but it's the way that she has handled it and she's like, Stevie is not your name. That is not your name. And she's centred herself in it and she won't accept that I've, I'm now married and she feels that she should have been consulted on these things. And I was like, well, uh, that's not really how it happens or how it works. But I had to set a boundary of what is toxic in my life, what is good for me, what is healthy. And that relationship is not healthy. You know, I've just quit a 14-year career in finance. I had a quite a nicely well-paid job and I'm going into independent audio production. And one of the reasons that she I cut her off was just because, you know, she said to me, your father did it he failed he didn't he's still doing it my second husband tried to do this and he failed and she's like you're you're not entrepreneurial you can't do this you're going to fail at this and I'm like on top of not accepting me for who I am in terms of my own gender not not recognizing my marriage I have worked so hard to undo what she's done to kind of keep me you know to keep me in control or under her control and I now need to take control of my own life and I need to have only positive energy and thoughts as I embark on a new career and whether it's you know whether she's taking away from me from my self belief in terms of my professional life it it affects everything else and I'm just done with it and to my 10 year old self that's okay.
0: (laughs) And hopefully you've got enough love and support with your wife with your father with all your other friends and your other members of family to to keep you going and keep keep you grounded and being as happy as you can be.
1: Yeah and you grow up and you choose your family you have a chosen family and you know part of that is recognizing your own self-worth and what you will and won't accept with friendships and and with relationships and i'm now at the point where i've dealt with some of that sort of toxicity i've removed it it's one of those you say like i say i'm lucky and i am really lucky and i but part of that luck is three choices that i've made in terms of people that i'm allowing and keeping in my life and the efforts that i put into those friendships so you know it's, it's as much luck as it is choice the wonderful Stevie there and you can find their podcast by searching for
0: this next song's about wherever you get your podcasts so thank you so so much not just to Stevie but for you for being part of our journey and listening to series two if you've enjoyed it please do go to Apple Podcasts and rate us and review us. Five stars, please. It all really helps to spread the word. Now, this is very exciting. We'll be back in 2022 with a special series called Meet the Parents. Yes, you guessed it. I'll be chatting to the parents of LGBTQI plus people about what it was like when their children came out to them. I can't wait to bring you some really enlightening interviews. And also, if that's something that you think that you can help with, either by suggesting yourself or maybe your mum or dad to be interviewed, then please get in contact. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Come Out Stories, or please contact us via our website. That's comingoutstoriespodcast.com. Just simply click on Get In Touch. Oh, and while you're there, you can also find out all about our book, Coming Out Stories, available in all good bookstores. Right, that's about the size of it. Have a wonderful holiday season, a great Christmas if you celebrate it and a very happy new year. See you in 2022.